You're listening to the best of the More Than Just Code podcast. How you doing? How's it going? How's it going? How's it going? How's it going? <laughs> you can do the intro? Yeah, great intro. Are we ready? Yeah, yeah this is oh, episode 110, by the way. Why not? Why not? You are recording already? You were rolling? Right. 30 minutes on the clock. 30 minutes? Okay. Hey everybody, welcome to this special live episode of the More Than Just Roundabout Creative Chaos Release Notes podcast, number 110. We're here live in Nashville, Tennessee at Indie Dev Stock, and we thought with all these podcasters in the house, we should um, all get together and record. So we've got from Release Notes, we have Joe Chaplinski. Hello. And from More Than Just Code, we've got Tim Mitra. Hey. And Jaime Lopez Jr. How's it going? And from Roundabout Creative Chaos and Miss Indie Dev Stock, Ms. Indie Dev Stock herself, Tammy Coram. You have to share the mic, Greg. <laughs> Hi, guy. thought we'd start with a code question, because you know how much I love the code. So we did get a Ask MTJC from Alicia R. Tweets, and she wants to know, maybe we can start with Joe here, do you ever look back at the code in your old apps and cringe? Yeah, every day. Good answer. <laughs> and would you recode them, or if it ain't broke, dot, dot, dot? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, yeah, I, I've done both. Uh, I've regretted going in and changing something that wasn't broke. It really depends on how much I want to work with that app in the future and how much I think that this particular section of the app is going to need to be revamped anyway down the line. Uh, but in many cases, uh, right now I'm actually avoiding doing an update to one of my apps, uh, my, my aspect ratio calculator because I'm afraid, like it was my first app, and I'm afraid that if I open it up and add this tiny little feature that I want to add, I'm going to be tempted to do 17,000 other things and six months will go by and that whole thing. So I've been avoiding the update as a result. So See, I can't do that. When I see it, I have to spend that six months to update it, and then I get nothing done. So I don't, how do you, how are you resisting that temptation? I mean, is it just because you're sitting there and thinking, look, I don't have six months to put in it to do it, and you're disciplined enough to do that, or are you lying to us and you really, like, secretly going away for six months doing it and coming back i have the discipline to not do it i don't have the discipline to open the file and then not do it so i just don't open the file like like once i go in there i'm out of it i know i can't do it the proverbial stick your head in the code stand okay gotcha (laughs) yeah i take a different approach i i open i'll look at apps when a new version x code comes out i'll see how many warnings there are and then i'll decide whether i'm going to step away from the, the keyboard or not but generally speaking, I do keep my apps, try to keep my apps up to date with new features and things like that. But uh, And I have a couple of couple of major apps that I'm maintaining that are written in an ancient language called Objective-C. And uh, so, you know, we only fix things if we really, really, really have to. So, like the customer loading up Calendar on Xcode 10 yesterday, or iOS 10, sorry. Yeah, so I think I took a little bit of a different flavor from the, the question. I interpreted it as like, you know, we had some folks talk about the, um, like the imposter syndrome thing, right? And like, do you ever look back and be like oh no like i was a little baby and i didn't know what i was doing there and i, I have that feeling with code i've written like literally three weeks ago that i say oh, this was not great but yeah yeah like but it got but it got the job done right so the second part would you recode them or if it ain't broke it's like well maybe or it depends right so uh, i've been working in the startup world for a while now and a lot of times like oh the company may not be around for us to even care about this so no don't fix it if, if it ain't broke and when you're writing the code i kind of touched on this in in the workshop just before are there times when you're sitting there and you're any of you really you're writing the code and you have this thing whatever that thing is this function that needs to happen and you're you're trying to get this to work and you you've you, you've just you've basically regurgitated all this code you threw it up out onto echoed it looks horrible it kind of works enough do you go back 
can fix it like almost immediately or, or how long do you let it sit there and fester and grow into this mess that you open it up, you know, three days later and go, oh gosh, what was I thinking? I use multiple undos all the time. I'll build something. If I don't save it as a branch, I just back it back away, like I said before. So um, before we dig in, do we have any Ask MTJC, Harmony? We do. We have, uh, well, one that's sort of related to a fact check. Maybe you should read the fact check, and then we'll read the Ask MTJC. Oh, this is this is the one from that Tim Mitra guy or the MTJC guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, we were talking last week about, I, I mentioned that I was under the impression that the original uh, command key symbol, which looks like a quadruple infinity symbol or something like that, um, is was originally derived from a, cla- a castle as seen from above, like square square box with four turrets. And um, in the video that was attached to the, the article we had last week, which I did watch, um, uh, even though the author of the, said it was purely coincidental, coincidental, Susan Kerr did say that she had found this, the original um, symbol in a, sim, a book of symbols, which turned out to be a Swedish symbol to represent a point of interest, and it was actually derived from a castle. So in, in my tweet here, you'll see if you go look on Twitter, um, there are uh, there is the, the slide of that she posted of uh, the original symbol that she used in, for point of interest, and then she uh, another slide was um, a like a I guess a direction sign to a campground or something like that in Sweden that she found, which used the same symbol, and then of course a castle, which you know uh, looks exactly like the symbol from above as well. So when the comment in the article about Steve Jobs saying you guys are using apples way too much was um, uh, it was a basically uh, not in reference to this particular use of, of Apple on the Apple key because my second question, which I guess I'm kind of skipping ahead to, is that why, how did when did the Apple key disappear from the command key, which we now now call it, right? And uh, but the, he was talking about the menus because in the in the original menu they had key short keyboard shortcuts and and they represented them by the Apple key in a letter like you know X V C for you know cut copy and paste, um, not necessarily in that order. But uh, uh, so he com- he was complaining, so they took the Apple key off, and that's when she came up with this you know double infinity square point of interest uh, icon that she, that we all know and love on our, our command keys today. So that was that. And what was in the in the actual tweet there? So we have one from Weihan says, uh, at Tim Mitra, at Div of the Hair, in the Layers 2015 video, Susan Kerr did say she was told by someone that the uh, command symbol actually was the representation of a castle scene from above. Not a coincidence that it looked like a castle. And he linked right, to right. the um, Susan Kerr, John Gruber, Layers 2015 conference talk. Right. And I, and I didn't add my um, my um, uh, tweet that I posted for you where I went and actually got all of my keyboards and went through them all and laid them on the, gra- on the floor here behind me and took a picture of them to show when the, the Apple key actually the the original key command key on the original keyboard dis, does not have an Apple on it. It just has the infinity symbol, you know, the small key in the center of the of the image. And all the other keys do up until the keyboard that I have attached to my my monitor right now, which was built in 2007. I haven't dug through my my laptops, but I figure it's probably around the same time that they they removed the Apple key. So 2007 is is our. And actually, I found a link on on the Wikipedia that to back that up as well. Thanks, my hand, for your contribution and defense of my uh, my comments so oh so greg i'm just reading your ask mtjc here that you posted saying that you mix up the order when and, and say mark's name first do you do that that's right check the tape i said <laughs> hashtag check the tape oh. i didn't actually go back and look but i know i have mixed up the order um the handful of times where i've taken over the show right well there you go so and we'll get some uh, huh. overcast links or fireside links i've discovered you can link directly to a point in time as well so i'll get some i'll dig up some links sure yeah yep, yep. Uh, okay 
All right. What do we got here? First of all, we have a um, bit of an ask MTJC. Who's going to do this one? You or me, Jaime? Let's see. Uh, I guess I'll do it, So, which is funny. So uh, this one is, is us saying mm-hmm. uh, we're taking the week off because there is literally nothing to talk about. So uh, I was out but, last week and um, there wasn't much news. I think we just sort of took a little hiatus, a little, a little brief vacation for that one week. Well, actually, to be honest with you, my, my post was actually completely sarcastic because um, we had decided to take the week off, but then I, but then there was a story about the notch, right? In in the you know the notch that's the horrible thing in the iPhone 10 is now appearing on several um, manufacturers of of Android devices, right? In fact, I think in the posts I've got here, there's at least four of them. Uh, where is it? Right, I think yeah, because so, Mobile World Congress was probably happening around right. this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that what it is? Yeah. So you know, and it's like um, let's see, uh, Asus has a Zenfone that has uh, two models of Zenfone that have a notch in them, and Ligu S9 has a, has a notch, and of course Noah N10. I don't know who that's by. It sounds like Nokia, but it's not, I guess. And that highway one you guys mentioned last week, they have a P20 that apparently has it. And you were saying today that the, the P upper, uh, Android P just dropped today? Yes, as of uh, today, which is, uh, we're recording here on Wednesday, March 7th, uh, Android P, the developer preview, came out today, and it officially supports within the operating system uh, the concept of a notch and dealing with things. Kind of similar to the way that it roughly works in uh, iOS to handle the iPhone X's notch, as an example. But I think very critically, you know, Tim, you brought up these these other phones. These other phones are hilarious because they're not running on Android P oh, developer really? preview, and so like you can see their UI elements getting cut off by the notch itself. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh, we mean like like battery warnings or whatever. Yeah, and like clock that. and other things. I think the clock moved sides or something. I'm not a, I'm not an Android user, so I don't know. But, but I mean, it's it like like the, the difference left. between an iPhone 10 layout and an iPhone 8 layout, where like we have things missing behind there, you mean? Sure, like like that sort of thing. Like if you hadn't updated your app to be compatible with the yeah. safe area layout. Yeah. Well, I just I think I think I think it's hilarious that uh, I, li- I like the title in this one is bo- bonus notches, bonus notches. But uh, that you know, for all the bashing we took for months about this notch, this non-existent. I mean, the notch that you and you and I and Mark, none of us look at. You know, we look at it occasionally. It's funny though. I it, I shouldn't say I don't look at the notch because as I'm walking around and I see other people on their phones, if I see a notch, I know it's an iPhone 10. Like it just, my brain just goes, oh, look, iPhone 10. And then same thing if the camera orientation is, is uh, vertical instead of horizontal, my immediately notice, notice that it's a 10, right? So until everybody else starts copying them, then you'll never know again, right? You'll have to take a closer look. But I just think it's funny that the, the, the fact that we decided to take a week off when there was nothing to talk about and, and it literally is nothing is the notch. That's my joke. <laughs> it's also kind of funny, like they're, they're talking to these manufacturers, hey, why do you have this notch? Like, oh, we wanted to make our device look distinctive, which is what yeah, you mean yeah, distinctively yeah. like the iphone is that perhaps you did not finish the quote there um the other thing yeah. is that i mean I, I i'm probably an apologist on this where i think of it not as a notch but as extra ears that give me more real <laughs> estate right like not in every case but in a lot of cases like you know looking at photos or something um but at the very least there is like a logical reason why that notch is there right it's predominantly because of uh, face id's technology and how that works these other devices as at least the ones that i saw and so far they don't have face id so their notch is actually bigger than it needs to be just so it yeah. can look more like the iphone 10's notch rather than the smaller notch slash widow's peak that the essential phone had the one that launched a couple months before the iphone 10 and you don't think they're they're looking at that what's that called true image um uh camera that that uses for the infrared you don't think they're planning on having that in the phone i mean maybe eventually at some point um you know when face id technology you know, or the rough equivalent becomes available to other right. manufacturers 
it's similar to where that touch ID sort of made its way eventually, you know, some rough competitor, um, like mm-hmm. on Samsung and Android side. But today, you know, as those devices are being released, like they're just bigger for no reason. Like you could make it a lot smaller because you would only need the, what, the camera and the proximity sensor and probably the microphone or the, the not the microphone, the speaker part that you're listening to the audio out of, you know, when making a phone call. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it is very clear that they're doing this just so um, they can ape the iPhone's style in that sense. And I'm guessing Google sort of had like no choice but to help support those. Otherwise, their platform would end up with, you know, oh man, this Android thing sucks. Look, I can't even see half the damn content at the top here. Like Google doesn't want that, right? So I think the path of least resistance for them is to support the notch area with a, you know, a more sensible operating system layout and doing whatever the equivalent of safe area layout is for their operating system. Yeah, it's funny. And by the way, a, tr- a real-time follow-up, it's true depth camera, which projects and reads over 30,000 infrared dots to form a depth map of your face, plus a 2D image. The ironic thing about right. the notch is that uh, there's all sorts of rumors already that the next generation of the iPhone 10 or whatever it's called, is going to have a smaller if a smaller notch, if it even is there at all. They might get rid of it. Yeah, I heard that too today. So, yeah, I was surprised so, by that one. Yeah, so if that happens, we'll have a whole year next year of only Android phones having having this notch. Hmm. That would be hilarious if it comes to pass that way. Yeah. Um, I was reading about that mm-hmm. as well, and I was a little skeptical that they could do it, like, in one year. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, kudos if they do, but I was like, well, maybe they'll stick with this relative form factor for two years, and then, you know, that second cycle, like, past the S cycle would be the one that would have it. But so you'll think there'd be an iPhone XS? Or 10, what did we say, 10 Series 2 was Greg's? Yeah. Or, or 10, <laughs> yeah. 10, 10, 10 Dash 2 was mine. Uh, um, I mean, maybe. It, it depends on whether the iPhone 10 was really supposed to come out this past year as it did, or if it was semi-delayed from where Apple had intended to come out with it the prior year, which would give it a oh, full two years yeah. if you're coming up to this next year. Interesting, yeah. One, uh, my one pet peeve about the iPhone 10 compared to like an 8 or a 7 is that, or 6, is that when you pick it up, if you pick it up upside down and, and the notch is facing down, it will not wake up, right? You can't, like, you know, you could you have to flip it over to what it considers its its proper orientation. Have you guys noticed that? What if you're standing on your head? What if you're standing on your head? Good point, Mark. <laughs> Good point. But would the, face, would the face ID recognize you if you're standing on your head, too? Yeah. That's the other question. That's, right? Well, that's, that's why it might work. Yeah. Mm. Tim, I've, I've had that one happen not too frequently. I think the one that's more frequent yeah. to me, because I need to be a better person, to be quite honest, um, I'm, I'm too connected, is that I'll, like, you know, I'll wake up, and then, like, the first thing I do is look at my phone and see what I've missed, you know, because I wake up kind of no later. Way. And, like, my squinty eyes as I'm, like, still adjusting to being in the conscious world it means that sometimes the face ID fails. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah. I mean, as far as I, I know, it doesn't. Face ID fails if, if uh, like, if, I, if I'm if i yawning or if, I, you know, if I'm, you know, putting a Pop-Tart in my mouth or something at the time that I'm trying to wake it up, I find it fails that way. But generally speaking, it's pretty good, right? So, and as we talked about before, it, it actually does update, you know, if, if it fails and then you enter your passcode, it updates the image with whatever your current state of being is, right? <laughs> yeah. Conscious or not. Yeah. And so, of course, the big news today, or I guess relative, relatively big news today, which actually not today, but three days ago, four days ago, that uh, it's the 10th anniversary of the iPhone SDK launch from Apple, right? Um, a post here I've got linked from by Craig Hockenberry talks about uh, Icon Factory and, and uh, some of the early apps. That, I remember, I don't know if you remember this, if you've seen this, the um, the site, but there's like a screenshot of a guy in a black shirt uh, introducing the, the, um, the iPhone SDK. I remember watching that video and thinking, yeah, it's 
it's cool. Went and downloaded it and so on and so forth. But uh, And they go through their, their history of some of the uh, earlier apps that were created back then, you know, uh, early shots from C4, which I think was one of the first conferences for um, iPhone development and talking about, you know, how we had to jailbreak our phones and get into the Unix kernel and um, before the SDK came along, sort of a little bit of walk down history lane. History lane, is that right? Yeah, walk What's down it? history lane. Walk down history lane. Okay, thanks. Um, yeah. So, Mark, when did you first get into uh, iPhone development, late, or at least uh, late two thousand eight? Oh, so you were you were there like on the first uh, first little while anyway. Uh, I didn't publish anything that quickly, but I started working on it in two thousand eight, and I think I published something mid two thousand nine. Yeah, my first app, I think. So had you done much um, Objective C at that point, or no? I hadn't done really much at all. Uh, I had I was doing uh, Python stuff back then, right? And uh, so I had to learn Objective C. I had dabbled in Objective C a little bit because I had. I've always had Macs, you know, and dabbled with uh, doing some OS 10 yeah. or whatever it was uh, time uh, development, and but uh, but not a whole lot, not a whole lot. So I, I had to teach myself. Yeah, I really don't remember what so. it, when I started working with this. I'm just going to log on to my other computer see if I can figure it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I was kind of late to the party. I wouldn't start using the SDK until I think it was July of 2011. Mm-hmm. Oh. It was definitely a transition period where a lot of the examples were pre-ARC, but ARC had just been announced at WWDC like a month mm-hmm. prior. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah. I'm pretty sure I have still some. You never experienced all the joys of retain and release and auto release? Yeah. Not in any real serious way. I mean, yeah. certainly my own, you know, stuff I was writing was, was all ARC related, but mm-hmm. in terms of professional stuff, there was just some other, like, existing code over, like, a couple of um, jobs I did while I was a consultant. And even then, a lot of it was like, well, we don't need these anymore. Just delete this stuff. Yeah. Yep. It looks like I have, uh, let's see, so I have some stuff from 2009. Oh, 2008. Oh, no, it's PDF. Connect family. Hybrid apps from back then. Whoa, that's old. Oh, I actually have an, uh, I guess it must have been like, um, what was it called? It was PhoneGap originally, right? The um, hybrid version where you'd write the, write it in JavaScript and HTML. Yeah, that was, yeah. 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 You did work, what, some PhoneGap stuff, yeah? When I first, well, when I first got into it, I had a book on um, on how to write, uh, yeah, it was like a book on, I think Jonathan, somebody rather, um, wrote a book on how to write apps using, you know, that kind of technology, right? So, mm. with an image picker app here from 2010. Yeah, I can't remember when the first time, what first app I wrote install quick family. There's a framework here from 2009 as well. <laughs> Oldie but goodie. In my first tab bar with a view controller. Yeah. We're still working out how to do the two, two for couples apps mm. back in the early, early days. Yeah. Oh, there's a folder here called Ruben. I wonder what's in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's from 2014 though. I remember my impression, my first impression. So given the context that I was doing web development, kind of before it was cool again, I guess. It was like in that lull of like, it got real cool going into the first uh, dot-com boom and then got kind of less cool in the bust. And I remember thinking, wow, like this iOS thing, like it gives you a lot of stuff like out of the box. So I'm yeah, looking at this sure. photo in the article here where they have the, um, the caption says the first iPhone app created outside of Apple. And it's like, oh man, you get this like really nice look, professional looking UI, like without having to do anything. And that definitely was not true for web development in those days. No, that's true. Things have sort of changed now where I'm, I'm shaking my fist at Apple being like, hey, well, why don't you give us more out of the box? Like, look at all these web guys. You, you basically just, like, import one thing and you got a website and it all looks professionally well done and it's built on a, a grid layout and everything looks great and swell and here I am busting my chops trying to figure out how to get this, you know, safe layout thing to work or make sure my fonts, like, are dynamically resizable and that sort of thing. Right, yeah. I also had to write, I also did a bit of dash code back in those early days. So, like, I was given a, a dash code book to write a review for. So I was doing that, some of, some of that stuff too back in the early, early days too. 
like making like a like and it would basically create a dashboard app that would read your website and you know basically show it on the on the phone scary stuff mm-hmm. lots of table views and things like that back in the day too when did a table view controller come out on iOS on iOS or iPhone do you remember Mark oh that was there from the very beginning yeah yep. yeah in the early days pretty much every app was a table view <laughs> table view inside a navigation controller some some uh, variation on right, that right well, yeah there were tab bar apps back then too right so yeah there were tab bar apps it's true remember the, I, the iTunes app was a tab bar app if I'm not mistaken I can't remember or maybe Probably. a combination of two I guess yeah yeah yes I just and I remember when the iPad first came out the uh, the holy grail was the split view controller mm-hmm. with lots of different ways to do that right I was doing things with uh, view controllers embedded inside other view controllers even back then it, it was kind of frowned upon but I was I was dabbling with that stuff it was limited in what you could do you couldn't do all the stuff that you can do now with with uh, you know, the nice container view controller concept that they've got and, you know the ad child controller and all that kind of stuff so you really had to hack all the rotation and stuff like that yeah. but uh, but you could do it yeah I, I've done a little bit of the container view controller stuff and it's it's definitely nicer than than it was before they like really had support for it I'm, I'm hoping at WWDC coming up in a few months here I hope they'll make it a little bit easier um, maybe not easier to do because it's not that difficult to do it's more like it's really easy to mess up which spoilers I always do mm-hmm. well if you do it with storyboards though it's really pretty trivial now you just use a container view and just embed your other view controller inside of it and there's no step three uh, so it handles all the add child remove child but stuff you don't, you don't do any of that mm-hmm. yeah the storyboard handles mm-hmm. all that for you if you're not doing that I would claim you're doing it wrong <laughs> sorry, sorry <laughs> that's probably that true <laughs> but it was designed for exactly that purpose so you know you're you're just you're trying to run with a with a ball and chain around your foot if you're not using storyboards for that kind of thing. Right, right. I remember, mm, what year was this? This is probably 2012-ish. I distinctly remember an interview where they'd asked me, you know, how many view controllers can you have on the screen at once? And mm-hmm. I was just a wee baby. I was developer. So I, I was like, I don't know, like one. I'm like, aha, well, you'd have your, you know, potentially your tab view controller and you're also your navigation controller. I was like, oh, okay. I guess I think of those more of like the Chrome, but sure, like I get it. Yeah. And now that, that question would be completely meaningless. Like, I don't know, until I run out of memory, <laughs> you know, I yeah, can't address how many yeah. little tiny container view controllers are on screen. Yeah. Well, there was a, there was definitely a, a shift uh, in the, you know, the, uh, the official line from Apple on, on how to handle that. I mean, at the beginning, it really was one view controller, one screen. I mean, yes, there were like the containers, like the tab bar and the navigation controller, but, but those were provided by Apple and, and those were the only ones you could, you were supposed to do that with. Uh, but, uh, but the rule of thumb really was one content view controller per screen at the time. And, and it made sense because in the in the early days, Tim, I don't know if you if you remember the the first couple of phones, especially like the the iPhone three mm-hmm. was was really low on memory. Yeah, well, so, the first phone so had one hundred twenty eight megs, and it was only you can only use about yeah. forty or fifty of it. Right, right. So if you tried to do a fancy view hierarchy, you were really kind of asking trouble because you were just going to run out run out of space. But that changed. I don't I don't actually remember when that changed. Uh, probably around the, the time the iPad came out, uh, where because with the iPad you you were kind of encouraged to have multiple view control content view controllers per screen uh so it was probably around then that the that the you know sort of the uh the official line changed to it's okay to have multiple view controllers on one screen do you remember when that was tim i don't, I don't say know. that again what was that well so remember in the early days there was this very strong official line that said you should have one content view controller per screen right period. yeah and then that changed uh and i guess it, actually now that i think about it, it probably was when storyboards came out because from the beginning with storyboards, there was the concept of the container view available in the storyboard right. that you could use to embed, and, and embed segues were available right from the get-go with storyboards. Well, actually, no, the, 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 um, 
the oh your collection view. I'm thinking of um, no. Remember the stocks app used to have like it had a table view on top and then it had a sliding view on the bottom, like how the stock app is now. It's, it's been like that since the very beginning, if I'm not mistaken. Well, but that was probably a scroll view inside a view controller. Oh, maybe yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's probably a single mm-hmm. view controller at the time. I do, I do have an iPhone one right over there. Do. I could go fire it up and see. <laughs> I still have my uh, original Gorilla Silverback. Yeah. When did storyboards come out? Was that iOS uh, five, five? I think five. So yeah. That, so that makes sense. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, because with iOS four, four was the rebuild. iOS because four was, three was horrible. Was when the Xcode three, oh, I'm thinking of Xcode. Yeah, iOS four was yeah, not Xcode four, but iOS four was was the first iPad. And remember, there were two different versions of iOS four for a while. Yeah, there was the iPhone version of iOS four, and there was the iPad version yeah. of iOS four, and they were not compatible with each other. No, I think. I, by the way, I think I think a three point five was the first iPad OS. Pretty sure. Let me just check. Uh, uh, sure. Yeah, I started on I started on three on iPhone three for sure when I was or iOS three when I first started with them doing this stuff. But had the iPad come out? Yeah, 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 yeah. I started on the iPad. I didn't start on the iPhone. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I maybe remember wrong, but I, I I vaguely remember there being a like a iOS four point one, which was the iPad yeah. version, and a four point two or something like that, which mm-hmm. was the iPhone version, and and they eventually got merged. But for a while there, there were actually two completely different versions that, as I said, they were, they were not compatible with each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it was it was it was explicitly obvious with the popover view, which was only available on the iPad. And so if you tried to compile a popover for using the iPhone version of iOS four, it wouldn't even compile at the time. It was kind of crazy. Mm. Uh, but they eventually merged them together. So, but anyway, so it, it makes sense that after all those that new stuff came out for the I- iPad, that it would make sense that an iOS five is when they had storyboards that kind of started to bring it back all together. Yeah. By the way, I think you're right about the iPhone because it was iPhone three was the OS or iPhone OS three, and it was iOS mm-hmm. four was the first uh, full, when they changed the name. Yeah. Yep. So introduced in 2010, which about the time the iPad the iPad was announced in mm-hmm. February, came out in April third, which is my sister's birthday, 2010. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, makes sense. I've sworn we were it was like a 3.5 or something like that. I'm looking on Wikipedia here to see if I can figure it out. Yeah, it is kind of funny to think back that that the SDK only came out in 2008 and the iPad came out in 2010, yeah. less than two years later. Yeah. But it seemed like there was all this time <laughs> that there was the iPhone before there was an iPad. Yeah, two whole years. And then, man. yeah, in with with hindsight, it was it was almost almost no time. Yeah, I think it's sort of that difference between having had a decade versus it was a couple years and then this other thing that's been around for days. Mm-hmm. I guess that's why it it just it just sticks in my memory as well. I was like, oh yeah, it just seemed like iPad came out way later. No, no, we didn't. Yeah, got it rather quick. Yep. Okay, so real time follow up. Tim is right. Um, the iPad originally shipped with a customized iPad only version of iPhone OS dubbed 3.2. That may be what you're thinking of. There were two mm. OSs, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. So okay. And then on September 1st, it was announced that right. iPad would get its own iOS 4.2 by November 2000. Oh, maybe you're right there too again. So it went from 3.2 to 4.2, and then Apple released iOS 4.2. One to the public on November 22nd. So, yeah, so originally shipped on version 3.2 in mm. 2010. Okay. All right. right, but it was its own release. Like, well, it was, it was still called iPhone OS, but it was a special iPad only version, customized version for iPhone, sorry, iPad. Yeah, that, that was sort of like the thing to do. I don't know if folks remember, but um, on the Android side, when they were trying to catch up to this, um, 3.0 Honeycomb was a tablet only version of Android, and Google, like, very explicitly did not release the source code. I don't, maybe they eventually oh, really? did, but yeah. um, they like held it back because they did not want phone manufacturers to put honeycomb on the oh. 
on the phones because it was like you know they presumably had cut scope to just make sure it could work as its own special little snowflake on tablets and it wasn't until android 4 um what is that jelly bean jelly bean ice cream sandwich uh, yeah jelly bean yeah, it must yeah, be yeah ice cream yeah. sandwich yeah it's probably ice cream sandwich because i think yeah because so wait a minute i had a, i had the original tablet that came out from samsung and it ran on the frozen yogurt one what was that called froyo froyo right yeah. they had froyo and gingerbread uh, honeycomb as tablet only and then i think ice cream sandwich was the first combined like recombining oh, having a, see, a singular right. phone os and tablet os hmm. so not all that dissimilar from ios were as we were talking about it recombining around four point something right huh. interesting mm-hmm. weirdness so i had the iBeer app was one of the first apps i had or ipint i think it was for drinking like it had the beer simulation thing on it oh where you could hold it up and it would and the uh, the beer would actually go down yeah yeah angle change it would go down yep and it had jared and the fly i had a flashlight app actually as well believe it or not and you must have had uh what was it called around me no i didn't have that one i, I do remember it though yeah yeah i had seen it urban spoon that was another urban one spoon i had yeah good. for sure yeah. Mm-hmm. do you know if anybody did any like looking back where are they now 10 year anniversary sort of things for those first million dollar app folks <laughs> they, at some point the the media got wind of it they called them the app 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 billionaires portmanteau of app really? and millionaires it's really hard to pronounce but like okay you know you go find you know the fart app person oh yeah and say hey where are they now do they own a yacht and live on an island in tahiti or well, i mean that was marco armitz sort of one of his claims to fame was that he had an early app right didn't he have um an app that he sold to twitter or something like that or are you talking about instapaper instapaper they, yeah he yeah. sold to beta works and then got resold to twitter uh, not twitter pinterest mm. but yeah but but that sort of thing and his is even sort of later because i think it's like 2010 ish i mean i mean like those first uh, like this article is talking about like uh um was it tap tap revenge and all these other things yeah. where you know those like first initial ones that really hit it big and then 10 years later it's like you know vh1s where are they now sort of yeah, thing yeah. where the artists tumblr that's what he wrote tumblr not instapaper tumblr right right he was uh part of the early team at tumblr yeah yeah um yeah i wonder what happened to those guys and it was the, the one app that was like the most expensive app in the world it was like 99 or was it 999 dollars it just was like a red big <laughs> right. red ruby or something like that was the icon right and see I'll, see where, that, where's that person i'm rich and you can show it to your friends you yeah, know, yeah 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 i'm rich is that the one yeah yeah that's the one i've got my newton sitting here right here too by the way <laughs> <laughs> yeah lots of fun all right well let's move on just a quick aside: Has Google changed their format? For... Every, every link, I've, every link I'm looking at is like a little box with something in it. Have I done something to my Google? Every, every time I do a search, it gives me like everything's in a box. It looks they all look like paid uh, links as opposed to just having a big old page of links. Weird, eh? Uh, I just typed in AirPlay into Google, and I get same standard. There's one box at the top mm-hmm. with the sort of the you know the definition. Right. Uh, but they've done that for a while, right, with this sort of one favorite result at the top. And then everything else is just the standard links. Yeah, I don't know what the hell's going on. My whole, it's been oh. like this, the last couple of days I looked. Hmm. Weird. You might also be in an A-B test of some sort where they're trying yeah, to see if you're be. more engaged or if you're finding the right content. Yes. Uh, Google, I'm not enjoying this. Make it stop. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're listening. <laughs> All right. Um, so another follow-up story I had on here was about the touch bar, and I thought it was interesting uh, that uh, some schools are talking about, some ExamSoft is the name of this uh, school or testing place, uh, banning the MacBook Pro with touch bar from people being able to use exams. Uh, especially for taking the bar exam because um, because of the pre- predictive text. I talked about this last week. I didn't have the right terminology for it, but uh, as you're typing, um, you know, the predictive 
text helps you type things out, right? Like it, like on the phone when you have the the you know little extra um, uh, what do you call it uh, view above the the keyboard that sort of suggests words as you're typing to sort of save you time. But uh, you can do the same thing. In fact, you can write entire sentences or paragraphs using just just the words that come up on the predictive text. Text. But it's funny that did you see you guys read this this piece about uh, them getting rid of it. I did. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting. I, I I didn't really get a feel for why specifically the bar exam would would uh would ban it do you, do you know it said here something about um it could facilitate people cheating mm-hmm. right taking taking the bar exam um I guess you could pre-program stuff into the bar or something and have it... Because you're probably writing... Well, it says it will, it will show predictive text depending on what the student is typing. Like, you know, if you're, if you're working on a terminology or something, as you start to type things, it kind of suggests words that go with what you're typing, you know? Yeah, sure. So maybe they may be exposing, you know, answers like, what does MVP stand for? Well, it's, you know, it's Massive View Controller, right? Like, you know, like might, it might suggest that for you, right? My MVP joke. Yeah, I'm, I don't know enough about what the bar exam sort of entails from a computer standpoint like i'm actually kind of surprised they let you use a laptop at all i just assumed they'd be <laughs> you know on some like green screen terminal where you, you can't really do much um i'm thinking way back so the last time i took a standardized test where they had this sort of restriction i think the hotness was the texas instruments the ti86 was like the highest model of graphing calculator they allowed on the test right um specifically because the next model version up at the time was the ti92 which was basically a little little mini computer mm-hmm. um for its time and they're like oh no because it can add in like all of these crazy programs that it becomes much easier to cheat i assume this is the 2017 version of that yeah pretty much yeah but uh again if, if anybody out there has taken the bar exam i can follow up with a hashtag ask mtjc as to what specifically <laughs> is allowed and not allowed and what this is running a file i'd love to learn more yeah well, I, find it quite well I, I assume for the bar having i haven't taken it of course but, but i assume that it's a lot of writing you know you'll read sort of of a case study or something and you'll have to write an interpretation of it i don't know maybe you could pre-program in certain i, I don't know actually i i really don't know i don't know uh how much value you could get out of out of just a touch bar for something like that i have no idea but it's funny you mentioned that to think about the calculator Jaime. when i when i was a kid in school we weren't allowed to use calculators in math class at all and then my sister was one of the first classes where she had to go and buy a scientific calculator but i'm pretty sure for a long time we weren't allowed to use uh, calculators in um in, in in class at all but and then flash forward last the last apple certification test i took i actually ran on my own laptop i logged into an apple website and and uh basically it was a um i couldn't do anything else like i couldn't switch out of the the, the window um I'm pretty sure it was browser-based, but uh, or something like that. But you know, it just basically flashed the questions on me. It was multiple, multiple choice, and and uh, like that. But I did it on my own computer. It didn't previously in, in other tests I had done before. You you used uh, you went to a place where they gave you the test, right? Mm-hmm. I just thought it was an interesting story about the fact that the Touch Bar is now the uh, the calculator of the 2017. <laughs> it's too 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 useful, too helpful. Banned. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, you know, it'll, it'll give them the answers. You know. By the way, I, I do have one of, one of my pet peeves about the uh, the touch bar or about the touch bar yeah is that when i'm in the mail app and i'm typing and i'm a pretty sloppy typer like i'm not a touch typer right so my hands aren't always in the home row but right 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 between the one and the two the the key right above that or the or the the virtual key right above that is send right so a lot of times i'll be typing an email and all of a sudden it'll send oh. in the middle it'll admit of composing an email <laughs> what <laughs> yeah that's there. not good <laughs> you send a follow-up email going please please ignore that i wasn't finished typing yet is that configurable can you move it 
Uh, well, it, 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 I think some of the, some apps there are configurable, some not. Like for instance, uh, I don't use Siri on my uh, on my my MacBook at, at the office because it's like a church there, mm-hmm. and um, the top where where the eject button would be on a standard keyboard is where the Siri button is, right? So where actually gets the power button? No, yeah, Siri, yeah, power button on the um, on the other Macs. But um, so yeah, a lot of times when I'm reaching for the delete key, I hit the Siri key by mistake, and it's like, oh, did you want to enable Siri? No, thank you very much. You know, things to watch out for. So Mark, you have a follow up story here about uh, 32-bit apps. I thought they already didn't work. So, yeah, so as we know, uh, a couple of years ago, or, or maybe it was only, well, yeah, it was a couple of years ago, Apple started requiring that that new submissions uh, be compiled for 64 bits, right, and, right. and at some point, they stopped taking 32-bit executables completely. But uh, but if you had a 32-bit application on the store, people could still download it and use it, no problem. Although, with iOS 10, they started adding a an alert view that would pop up that would right, say yeah. that this, this app can slow down your your phone, and you know the developer needs to update that. Which you know, I'm not sure that that was really true that it was slowing down the phone, but whatever it was, it was there to to let people know that this you know this needed to be to be updated. Uh, well, apparently in the beta of 10.3, they've changed the messaging to be a little bit more harsh, saying that rather than it slowing down the device, it says that this app will not work with future versions of iOS. The developer of this app needs to update it to improve its compatibility. So. It doesn't say when that's going to happen. Uh, I mean, I think the soonest it could happen is with 10.3, but but uh, but it may not happen with 10.3. But at some point, it looks like 32-bit apps in the store are just going to stop working on, on new phones. If you have any of those out there, and I know I do, I've got a few old ones that I haven't updated in a while. Uh, it's it's it probably pays to revisit those and and update them as soon as you can, just in case. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I updated Key Squad last fall was, I, I don't know what I was doing, but I might have been running a, uh, a version of it, but I, I saw one of these earlier messages come up like this, and I thought, that's the last thing I want my customers to see, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, so so I, I went through the process of, of figuring out how to, it was a Cocos 2D app, so I had to figure mm. out how to get that to 60, 64-bit, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, so I've basically been going through all the apps that I want to keep on the store and, and, and updating them, simply because, also because there were bits falling off, right? So <laughs> Yep, yep. For me, the, the reason I haven't updated some of my old ones is that a lot of them use XIB files, and and uh, mm-hmm. and to in order to get them to, to work with all the new size devices, it's, it's quite a bit of work to convert them all the store boards and put in a lot of layout to make them to make them all uh, you know self-sizing correctly resizing so some of them I haven't I have to admit I haven't updated but uh, I guess I need to get on that pretty soon mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but you can't make a XIB file um Obey size classes? I guess not, eh? No, no, that's storyboards only. As far as I know. Oh. As far as I know. Yeah. If you want to do it visually, that's that's correct. You can yes, do stuff right. programmatically, that's right. but that's sure. it's kind of defeats the purpose of having the nib to begin with. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah, so I think it's going to be sort of an interesting sort of return on investment based decision for a lot of yeah, uh, developers. Yeah. Um, and maybe some of it just be more like point of pride of like, oh no, that was my portfolio app. I want to make sure that I, I update it because I haven't in a while, you know, that sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm, I think it's mm-hmm. ge- generally going to be good for users. Not saying there's going to be people who aren't caught with like, oh no, like I, I love this app and it's not being updated. I think from that standpoint, you kind of have to hang on to an old device. Like that's like that's the only reasonable option, right? And, and let's be honest, mm. like as the stats that we just talked about it showing us like you should be hanging on to an ipad and clearly you are so <laughs> if there's an app that you love <laughs> make sure it's installed on that ipad that you're not updating anyways and yeah, uh, yeah. and continue on because in other senses like this is generally good for users because this will make ios itself more efficient right it's not going to have to hang on to this right. 32-bit compatibility mode um yeah 
it's quite aggressive. Like this is the fastest transition that any company has has gone through. It, it took Microsoft like a decade, and I think they're still not quite done in their 64-bit really? transition. Really? Wow. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, they've been doing this on the Mac for a long time. I mean, like uh, various versions of OS, um, Mac OS, you get, the, you get the little do not enter sign through the older apps, right? They just, all of a sudden, they just won't work. And I, I assume mm. that was because they were they were not 64-bit, right? Is that not the case? Like, you know, as you I think there is a case like that, yeah. And, yeah, so, but they didn't, there was no warning about it. They just, you just can't use this app. Right, so yeah, yeah, yeah. The user side didn't have the the developer shaming that that happens here, right? On <laughs> iOS, it's like this needs to be updated. It, it it totally sucks. You should tell the developer. Yeah, here's the phone number and here's his home address, right? Tell right. Him, go, knock, walk, mm-hmm. walk over, knock on his door, and tell him to update his app, right? <laughs> <laughs> We've helpfully opened up a FaceTime call with him, so you can berate him right now <laughs> while he's in the shower, or while Man. he's asleep. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we know where he lives. All right. <laughs> so, so you know, I wonder what effect on on total number of apps in the App Store this will have because you know, clearly Apple is trying to to reduce the number of old abandoned apps uh, and and thereby streamline and clear up the the App Store a little bit. So, I, I wonder actually when and probably only Apple knows this when peak app submission was. I, I think we're past that point, right? To the po- the point where. The, the, the most number of apps like per week were being submitted to the iOS app store. Do you, do you agree that it, it kind of feels like we're past that point now? There was a time when, when, well, there was a time when iOS was really, really hot and everybody was making an app, right? Uh, and, and I'm not sure, and I think we're kind of past that point now. I think fewer people are just making, you know, apps for the sake of making an app. So, so there may have been the most number of apps may have been submitted and put into the store a couple of years ago. When, whenever that was, I don't know, but a couple of years ago. So, so there may be a lot of these old 32-bit apps hanging around from that time frame that have just never been updated because you know it was someone who thought they were going to make millions with their app, put it out in the store, and you know it didn't happen, yeah. so they went away. So, if they clear out a whole lot of those, it might clear out the total number of apps by quite a bit. I wonder about That's that. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I mean, you had that whole flappy, flappy period, right, where everything was flappy this and flappy that, and right, right. They all tried to mm-hmm. capitalize on this one guy's one guy's luck, right? So yep. yeah, it's true. Yep. It's true. Yep. I mean, as a sort of my next fo- sort of follow up is just to just to sort of re- recap on what I talked about last week about um, trying out AdMob with uh, with my app, and I think I told Jaime last week that it was super simple, and it was so simple that I, I didn't get the ad unit in there correctly, so I had to go back in. <laughs> had to go back in and. And uh, and re uh, resubmit the app a couple of times actually because because I, I still even after the second time I still had it didn't have it quite right and um, the funny thing is that it took like less than six hours to get the app through the app store and ready for sale yeah it's gotten real fast yeah so you know and it was like you know and the review process took like twenty minutes mind you it is a small app and there's not much going on in it right but it, it was faster for me to submit the app than it was for me to set it up and have a beta te- an external beta tester like I was still waiting for the beta tester review part to go through before it was ready for sale on the app store so mm. but but what i wanted to talk about was that that so since i had the chance to go back in and and take this for a spin and this is following up on sean's question last week um i took the time to go in and, and look at firebase analytics because i mean what why not right um since i had to add the firebase core into into the um app to use AdMob, i figured well why not just turn on analytics as well so um and my report on that is kind of it's kind of 
strange because, um, you know, yeah, this is like a handful of uh, reports. I mean, it's not a, not a huge app, and I don't expect to have tons of downloads. But it's odd that I'm getting hits from Google Play and I'm getting Google TV. You know, so there's something wrong with their uh, their analytics collection because it's reporting. Like, you know, it can, I can understand iPad. I can understand iPhone. But I can't understand why I'm getting, you know, devices that I don't even support because it's an iOS app, right? Why they would be showing up in my in my um, AdMob or my Firebase analytics. So it's kind of strange. Weird, eh? That is weird. Yeah, so we'll have to see how it plays out, I mean, over time. Uh, by the way, I've made a penny so far in a week, which I thought was really cool. It's probably more than I made on, <laughs> on iAds in the li- about the same amount of time, right? <laughs> oh, it's, sorry, it's estimated that I've made a penny. They, they haven't really sort of qualified that yet, so. <laughs> yeah, you know, after taxes, that, that gets done nothing. That's true, and I only get 70% of that penny, right? <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> or less, because it's Google, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah, so What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 78 What's of the Just Code Podcast. Keep going. Keep going, yeah. You're, you're our host, okay, Greg Keo. Do the full roll, then. Go ahead. All right. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 78 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Greg Hugh. I'm your guest host for this week. I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined by your usual hosts out in Whitby, Ontario, Aaron Vay. Hello there. And also here in Toronto, Ontario, it's Tim Mitra. How's it going? Nice. Oh, that was nice. That was nice. That was good. That was for the people in their cars. <clears throat> folks. Mm. Sorry. Folks in their cars. Folks. Folks. I was telling, uh, Mr. I was telling Greg uh, on Slack last night that it, uh, I was mixing the podcast, and, and Jaime did actually make a point of saying for the folks driving in their cars last episode, but I don't think we really caught it. You missed it. <laughs> yes, uh, Jaime sends his regrets, and Mark will maybe be joining us in a minute. Eventually. Yep. Longest minute ever. Well, I was at the end of this coder meetup yesterday, and I got you at least one new subscriber. Oh, good. Um, I forgot what I was saying. I said something about podcasts, and he said, oh, what do you know? What do you listen to? Oh, it was someone, you know, like... Uh, anyway, I was like, oh, I've got the podcast to catch up with on my on my commute back home. And he's uh-huh. like, oh, what do you listen to? And then he was using Overcast, so I browsed the list, and I said, oh, more than just so anyway, he subscribed. So, cool. got to make this an impressive episode, because he might be listening. So far, so good. <laughs> yep. Good you want stuff. To read about the weather? Let's talk about the weather. Mm, so cold. Oh, my God, the cold. Jesus. And the snow. It's snowed today. It's going to snow, know. I think, for the next week. So, we're actually going to get And how about Bruno Mars? Does he, like, does he, like, book off Super Bowl Sunday off his schedule? In case they call him, I don't know who that is. <laughs> I mean, that, did you that look at this forecast for Saturday? Feels like minus twenty-eight. Stop that! Unbelievable! Unbelievable! That's what my wife said. You want to? Go, I don't have to go outside on Saturday. Minus twenty-eight. You know what that is in Fahrenheit? Because I need to practice minus eighteen, which doesn't sound as bad. But Celsius minus twenty-eight. Yeah, unbelievable. Saturday. Minus eighteen. Uh, Fahrenheit. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and a bunch of snow, which is nice because we haven't really had snow, have we? I was fine with that. Yeah, so, well, I don't shovel snow anymore, so I don't really care either way, but... Yeah, um, I do, and it's I nice. It's nice. <laughs> it's nice to look at. You get to pay those condo fees. So how long have you lived in the condo? Six years, I think. Five years. Mm. Six years, I Where think. Where were you before that? Uh, I lived out in High Park. Oh. Hmm. Interesting. Yep. Okay, so, uh, Greg, what are we talking about? I think we got a little bit of follow-up, Tim. All right. What are we following up you, Tim. F- what do you no, have to from, tell us? from you, actually. Uh, I was going to go down to yours about the app stores and the economy. Oh, you know, I probably should look at that. Um, 
Why don't we do yours first, and I'll just quickly breathe through this one. Uh, sure. Last week, or maybe the week before, or maybe the episode before the episode before that, there was some talk about Parse shutting okay. down. Track. It was last uh, week. Who the, who the heck knows? And uh, there was much gnashing of teeth about the news, and people were saying, oh, we're doomed, and then the usual articles about you should never rely on third parties, etc., etc. That's true. That is all true. Yes. Yes. That's why I'm repeating it. Okay. And the... But, of course, the Parse server is going to be open-sourced, at least, and so... You can always, folks can always go and run it on their own servers, and it's going to be an open source product. And maybe minor conflict of interest. I do know some of the Parse people, and I know they're very committed to the product. Some of them are very sad, et cetera, et cetera. But, some of them are very um, out of work. Is that right? I believe they will just be moved around, but oh, I have no good. knowledge about that. Um, right. But I think that um, sort of the core product, you know, Parse server being open sourced, and there's so much interest in it because I think a lot of people really did like i mean the service was nice but i think a lot of people really did like the parse api so they'll be able to run that on your own servers and of course a whole bunch of companies are now going to be starting up and offering parse as a service or whatnot but again to avoid running into the same problem i would say you should run it yourself on your own server and it's going to be a thriving open source project i think coming up and so there's this post by uh fosco morado who's the, who's the developer developer advocate at parse and he just had this post about sort of what's going on with the open source stuff and um, what's coming up and they're still going to be working on it so anyone who is likes parse and uses it you know there's the migration tool and you can host it yourself and it should be a pretty good transition as transitions go i think this is like the most exciting part about parse dying i think that we ended up with this server right Exactly. Um, what I thought was interesting about the the article and what I got out of it was that that um, the the rolling out of this open source version of Parse and the shutting down of Parse weren't one and the same thing. Like like according to what this guy says in the uh, in his article that he was actually all set to to release the open source version of Parse and and wasn't aware that they were going to shut it down on the same day. And yeah, so he kind of pushed all the buttons to make it happen, make it go live, and then and then found out the news. Right. So mm-hmm. just to say. That it's not coincidental that they're happening at the same time. It just, it, or sorry, I guess that is coincidental. It is know. apparently coincidental. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It wasn't. So it wasn't say. sort of. The, I mean, like they weren't part of the same plan, as it were, right? Yes, I don't think the people working on the open source were saying we have to do this because it's going to be shutting down. Is right. the yeah. understanding that I got from it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, and yeah. yet someone over their heads must have known that it was coming and thought that it was a, a good way to soften the blow on what they considered at the time an inevitable decision to shut down the whole service. Mm. Yeah, but um, I, I, I kind of wonder though: is like companies like Facebook? I mean, Facebook must be quite big by now in terms of in terms of executives top down to the bottom decisions, right? And and sometimes you know. The left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing, you know? But, you know, this server announcement was part of their, their notice that the service is shutting down. Oh, yeah? Was it? Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, like they, they say, yeah, you've got a year and, you know, we've got two tools to help you out. One is the migrator to get you from Parse to a, a, an instance of MongoDB. And another is Parse Server. And Parse Server, not coincidentally, works with MongoDB as its backend data stores. So, you know, like uh, somebody over Fosco Morado's head knew about this and planned accordingly. That's my theory. That's my read of this. Mm. So, but it's still, it's great. I mean, and I think what Greg is saying is absolutely true. You know, this could, this could lead to a thriving, you know, um, tool set for mobile developers, you know, who are already familiar with the Parse API. And, you know, although I've never studied it myself, having never believed in using a service like this for reasons that we've discussed, now it seems worthwhile to take a look at. And everyone seems to like it those that use it 
Mm-hmm. Those that use it love it. And everyone else just stayed the hell away because they were smart. Parse 2 for the win. Um, we're all over that. Let's let's see that happen. I, I want to try it out, actually. I've got a little toy project that I'm working on right now, and um, I'm actually considering using this. Ah, even though I'm how's not... your no, then how's your express, Saren? Terrible. You need to Non-existent. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, but this is going to make me try and figure it out. What the hell? I've got a server. I'll give it a shot. Mm-hmm. Why not? I mean, why not? That's the spirit. There, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> I was hoping to have, like, five picks to outdo Jaime from last episode um, and just come up with pick after pick after pick, but <laughs> I do not have that. But I have a pick. I'll go ahead with it. It's an app called Hirondo. I don't know how to pronounce it. The subtitle is Comfortably Follow Swift Discussions. This so if you're is on crazy. The, if you're on any of the Swift mailing lists, Swift Evolution, the core libraries discussion and whatnot... And you are getting the emails. You're probably using some kind of filter rule to put them into a folder and follow the threads. If you get the digest like I do, that's even worse because you get a digest at seemingly random times during the day. And you just have to find message number seven and scroll down and whatever. Mm -hmm. So that is not that great. So there is this app that I think scrapes the website that hosts the mailing list archives. And you download this app and you pick which list you want. And it shows you it's almost like it's like a mail client or a newsreader client if anybody out there. Folks out there are as old as we are and know what that is. But imagine like a mail client that is just for the mailing list and you don't have to actually answer any email or, you know, receive email. So it just reads the things, does all the threading for you. You can browse by person, browse by topic, browse by thread and whatever. So if you want to browse through the mailing list or you want to go back and find something that you saw mentioned, then this is the app to do it. It's in beta and it is free. It is astonishing, really, for Mm -hmm. something so niche right mm-hmm. like it's like it's almost like a single serving website in a way yeah um but it is so it's lovely and full featured I, I just i can't get my mind around why the developer benedict terhecht did this <laughs> you know just blows my mind um yeah i'm sure it was just like i want to browse these mailing lists and i don't want to click through the horrible piper mail yeah, archive really and couldn't. i don't want to use my own mail client yeah. so let's just do it here let's just so. do this the app is still in beta. It has crashed on me a couple of times, sometimes when I scroll. But, um, you know, sometimes you want to browse through, this is, the, this is the way to do it. And it turns out the name Hirondo is Latin for swift. So it's, it's <laughs> not for nothing. As in the bird or quick? As in quick. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Don't you know your Latin? I studied Latin. I, I thought I knew my oh, Latin, but I have never heard that before. Mamma a month, or whatever, something like that. Not bad. Um, I was going to do the uh, a Greek of the farmer uh, declension, but let's skip that. A what? Uh, oh. You know, Agricola, 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 <laughs> um, uh, whatever it is. Isn't that the word everyone uses? No, it was farmer, never the word because I it, it is a masculine word, farmer, but it's in the first declension, ends in the ends in the A, you know? So it's kind of an oddball. All right, enough Latin. Forget about it. So Swift and Latin. Here, Rondo, I had no idea. Yeah. Anyway, that's my pick. Check it out this if you want to. Um, Canadians run a podcast. Read through the mailing lists. They had any good poutine lately? I had some tonight. I just went to Smokes. I went to Smokes yeah, oh, the other that's day. that's good. I don't like smoke. You've never been there. You don't like it. No, it's a little too uh, too out there for me. Too heavy. I feel a little ill mm. after having that. Their poutine. Well, as you should after all good poutine. But uh, uh, no. it was on the way home. I was like super hungry, and I was like, oh, I could go for some poutine. So, so you and I both I had back. poutine with our dinner tonight. 
Uh, no, it was yes. That was yesterday. I think it was yesterday. All right, yeah, not I today. Had some not today. Okay. Interesting. It was very good. So I, you know, I, I think I mentioned on the show that I've always sort of been looking for the good poutine, and I never really found a really good one. And I was out uh, with a friend of mine. We were checking out some electronic stores over on College, and there was a place called Looking for it. Some kind of hot dog, something yeah, or other. Frank's Gourmet Dogs, I think it was somewhere. Frank's and it's Gourmet Hot Dogs, right? I, I got like a Coney Island hot dog with chili on it, which was really good. It was like chili and I want to say it had it sweet and sweet and sour kind of thing, right? Um, mustard and chili or something like that, and onions maybe. But I also got a side, which turned out to be giant of bacon and egg poutine. Hello. Yeah, and it was like a, you know, fried egg, two fried eggs maybe, and then a whole bunch of chopped bacon on top of the best poutine I've ever had. You know, so oh sounds like poutine breakfast. You say this is on college? Yeah, college. Yeah, I'm just looking for the name. It's called Frank's. I'll put it in the show notes for sure. <laughs> for all the Toronto listeners, yeah, for those driving in cars. Um. Hmm. Yeah, for the Toronto oh, listeners. Some reason that sounds. You know, cool. if you're if you're going to come to Ennis North, there's another reason. Oh. You should go over to <laughs> Frank's on College and have bacon and egg poutine. You have no excuse now. Right? All right, that sounds good. Did, with, Tim, did you have another pick than this one? Is that no? No, I had no pick. I was I okay. was going to be like Mark and be like, oh, I, don't, I don't have a pick. <laughs> yeah, and I was going to like I said, I was going to be high man and have five picks, but <laughs> alas, can't always get what we want. No, nope. you cannot. Like some kind of animal, and scene. Like an animal. I actually waved when I say goodbye there. That's kind of my Did you? Oh. Do you say that? <laughs> I, did. I, I do that sometimes. I when I say the, by so the people so the on the phone, is, I do off, that. Did you wave by, by wiggling your wrist or did you get the whole arm into there? The whole arm. I was like back and forth. Oh, Not really? like the queen, baby. I was like, you know, full on wave like Wow. Urban. Cool. Wow. All right. I'm coming. I usually do that when I'm talking on the phone. Yeah, so uh, I guess we should wait for Mark to uh, arrive before we discuss your your visit with the Dr. Rubin. It was a very good visit. He um, We talked about all of Aaron's favorite topics, the weather, mm. hockey, San Jose Sharks, the Patriots, the Super Bowl. You're um, killing me. Yeah, he would have. <laughs> Aaron would have loved it. <laughs> wow. So what's Mark like in person? <laughs> He's very, very talkative. Very really? talkative. Not a thing. I'm serious. He's like super talkative. Wow. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. We must catch him at a bad time of day. That's that's all I can think of. It's like, oh. you know, six o'clock and uh, he's like, I've just worked a full day. I should probably still be working and I can't believe I'm here. Well, I mean, sometimes when you guys get him going, he's like, you know, yeah, you go. but he's like, yeah, I guess we went for lunch. So it was during the it was, it was like noon, you know, but yeah. no, still- he is uh, very friendly and yes, very talkative. Well, and, and, and sort of like I said, that's he was sort of the inspiration for starting up this podcast. Neither one of us, neither he or I were into podcasts at all before when we started but um and he still isn't right but yeah you know all the times i ever did any sort of work with him you know like i said i would work for you know a couple of minutes and then it would be like hours of conversation right wow i i gotta tell you that's a surprise to me Mm -hmm. (laughs) he's very very knowledgeable about the code too which he doesn't of that i'm certain yeah oh he showed off uh two or three of his apps that he was working on like the previous one and the couple that he was working on cool so um yeah we also talked about core data and i don't know view controller transitions and you know there was there was code it wasn't just more than just the code we talked about the code too so it's nice <laughs> he didn't make me code on the whiteboard so that was a refreshing change well that's good that's good 
Him, though. Another concert. Unbelievable. He doesn't go to that many concerts. He has missed two recordings because of concerts in the last three, four months. I forget how long. So, yeah. He goes to a lot of... That, that, that's, a, that's a fair amount. That's just the Wednesday concerts, too, right? There could be concerts on, on other days that we've never heard about. Well, that's true. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just I just went to a concert last Saturday up in uh, Redwood City. Not oh, yeah. Too far. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. You used to live right by there, Greg. Right? I used to live in Redwood City. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. This was... Did you ever go downtown? To downtown Redwood City at all? I did. Yeah, I liked it. It the was Fox, nice. You know, you know the Fox Theater there? No, no, although I do, I did, I do remember passing a theater. I don't remember the name of it, but maybe I know. Yeah, it's, that it's is. one of these. It's one of these old. You know, it used to be a movie theater way back when. That's converted over to a concert. Yeah, yeah, event. yeah, yeah. So I saw Buckethead there. We were talking about this last week. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that didn't make it onto the show. That was definitely post post show. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know Great who that show. is. I'd have to. I'd have to Google it. It's it's he's he's out there. He's different. Um, yeah, it's uh, he's a guitarist that oh he actually a, has a bucket on his head yeah 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 yeah. he's he's a phenomenal i mean i mean phenomenal guitarist i mean he's possibly the you know the one of the the top five guitarists ever uh just in terms of skill i mean he's just unbelievably skilled but he's insane does he wear a mask <laughs> yeah he wears a mask he wears a mask okay and and the bucket used to be he he actually got a new bucket for this tour uh it used to be just a a kentucky fried chicken bucket yes that he'd wear yes. uh now he just got a nice plain minimalist white bucket that he's wearing oh okay but, um, okay with the lighting i thought it was a pink bucket is what it looks like but maybe it's the it's that's just the lighting it's the stage yeah, lighting it okay was, it was yeah it was just a white and and he's he plays sort of i mean it's sort of a mix of metal the but, wikipedia page says it spans diverse areas such as progressive metal, funk, blues, yep. jazz, bluegrass, ambient, and avant-garde. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, it's it's just everything. He can play anything, and he does. You know, he plays anything and everything. It's just it's just amazing. Um, so I recommend it if you ever if he ever comes. Actually, I think he's playing. At, is he, on, is he on Spotify? I'll go look him up. I'm sure he is. Okay, I'm sure he is. Yeah. <laughs> look it up. He's he has. I, I was. Did you notice this in Wikipedia? He has 250 approximately albums. So I saw that's, a number. Really, 260. Yeah, studio. I, yeah. I know this 260 because I, I thought of H264, and I thought, yeah, yeah, 264 studio albums. I wonder how many of them it's, are on are on Spotify. Got to be a few of them. <laughs> not all 264. No, probably <laughs> Maybe not. they have a limit. So that's my post-show pick of the week. All right, I'm going to check it out. And if you also look at the Wikipedia page, they have the only known photograph of him without his mask, if you're curious. Of course, it's kind of a backside picture, so it's not very good. Yeah. But I've actually seen him without the mask. It's You've not, seen him without the mask? Yeah, okay. yeah. It's not not performing he always wears it when he's performing but i actually saw him uh this was almost 20 years ago now do a, a solo show uh down in santa barbara when i lived down there at this tiny tiny little club i mean there couldn't have been more than 30 or 40 people in the club and it was an all acoustic set which was you know for him very unusual because he's usually really loud and 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 uh you know very very high energy but this was this was a like a, a one-off thing of just he just played all acoustic and so he just showed up at the club and with his amp and a guitar and he's there before the show he's just there setting up his equipment without the mask on and he just he just looked like a regular guy i mean he was really was just a regular guy then he put then he went behind stage came back out with the mask and the hat and and he was bucking <laughs> complete transformation but you can tell it was him because he's got a very unusual shape <laughs> in that he's he's very tall and and thin and has you know really long fingers and stuff i mean very kind of spiderish sort of almost um and uh, so it was clearly recognized as him. All right. He is on Spotify. But, there are maybe 
50, I didn't count them, but there may, maybe like 50 records yeah. are on here. Well, so you know, if you like that style of music and you kind of won't know until you try it, uh, then you'll then you'll really like him. Not he's not everybody's cup of tea. I have to not be honest about that. Okay. Um, if you like stuff like um, uh, Primus, you know, Les Claypool. Mm-hmm. I don't know if these mm-hmm. ring any bells. If you yeah. like that kind of stuff, then you'll probably like him. He also he was in a band once called uh, Guns and Roses. You ever heard of them? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he really was. I mean, this is after they were. This is after they were really big. He he joined them after Axe. What's his name? Slash. Well, I guess was the first guitarist. Mm-hmm. He left, and they needed a replacement for him. Um, so he so he joined for a couple of years to tour. Uh, so um, yeah, I mean, he plays some you know relatively accessible stuff, but a lot of his stuff is pretty out there. All right, I'm curious but, now. Uh, Mostly curious yeah. about to get into the mind of Doctor Rubin, see what kind of music he listens to. So oh, uh, I'm going to check it out. I listen to a lot of different music, so uh, that could take a long time. <laughs> All right. Tim just checked in with me on Slack saying, did you guys start later? And I was like, oh, how did he know? I just told him we were wrapping up and yes, we started an hour later. So Tell him we started at a civilized West Coast. I was time. just going to say, I didn't have to <laughs> yeah, rush. I did good. I did rush home anyway, just in case, but I didn't have to rush home. I, I rushed home and I still, oh, maybe I'll eat something. I can, you know, go collect the mail and go through it. So it was nice. It was nice. Yeah. All right. Well, if you hand Tammy the mic, then I think we can. It's almost time to wrap up. Are and of course, picks? it wouldn't. Be, no, we're not doing picks. Don't oh, yeah, worry. We, oh, come on. But it I wouldn't be an though. episode of more than just code roundabout release notes unless we entered. And I got the key. If we entered the chaotic studio. Oh, okay. So Tammy, I have a series of questions. If we could do it rapid fire, if you, if you please. Wait, you're going to ask me? So Tammy, <laughs> what is your favorite? <laughs> I. Sh- Revenge is a meal best served cold. Uh, Tammy herself has noted that she has answered these questions on the website, but we can all check and make sure she doesn't have her phone with her. So, Tammy, what is your favorite color? What am I allowed to change my answers? I've grown as a person today. Exactly. So my answers might change. Okay. Okay. Favorite color? Black. What is your What is your least favorite color? Oh, goodness. Pink. Yep. Popular answer. What is your favorite word? I'm going to apologize right now, but my favorite word is fuck. (laughs) We're going to have to mark this episode as explicit now. Tim, what is your least favorite word? Not fuck. (laughs) The chaotic studio. Who knew? What do you hate most? Your biggest pet peeve? People being told that they can't do something. Not not the people who are being told that, but the people who are saying that to the people. I just want to throat punch anyone who says you can't do it. (laughs) we had people driving their car home in the cars and throat punching i think we've hit all of the uh all the memes here (laughs) who is your favorite fictional character that is a tough one because i have so many favorite fictional characters let me think see this this is where editing comes in because that long pause i edited out in, in roundabout um so i'm just gonna off the cuff because Captain Picard. <laughs> I'm doing the Picard facepalm right now for those uh, those driving at home. Uh, who is your role model? Again, I have so many. Um, my mom is my role model for one on on the you know life side of things because she she raised two kids on her own. My dad wasn't able to be there, so she was very strong in my life. My husband, who's sitting in the back room, he's another role model because he was the one who said, "Look." I love you how you are, which kind of messed up, but I still love you. So he taught me unconditional love. So he's my role model for that. And Simon, you're back there. You're my role model for developers. What is your biggest dream? 
be like Simon. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) My biggest dream is to um, get on a plane and not be afraid and travel the world and um, hopefully have my family come along with me. That would be nice. Starting with Ireland, right? Yes, I'll be in Ireland speaking at Yule. Yule? Yule. 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 I got it. Yule. (laughs) What is your greatest achievement? As of right now, not counting my kids and staying married for almost eight, 19, we, we've been married a long time, sorry, honey. <laughs> um, this conference right now, I mean, 10 months ago, Indie Dev Stock, 10 months ago, it wasn't even a blip on the radar. So yeah, right now. What do you regret the most? This conference. <laughs> I should have seen that one coming. If you could choose another profession, what would it be? And don't say conference organizer. <laughs> I think if I could choose another profession, it would be being a professional artist. I I, I suffer greatly from imposter syndrome, and people tell me that, you know, your work is really good, but I see people... Uh, Will Terry is a really good friend of mine. He's a children's book illustrator. And to me, that's a professional artist. He's so good. Go get his stuff. So that would be the other career for me. And the most important question, what would you do in a zombie apocalypse? Survive at all costs. And one of the reasons I put that question in my show was so I can help to build my zombie apocalypse army. So if you answer, if you're on the show and you answer that question correctly, you'll be in the army you can come to tennessee we got the bunker we'll hang out when the virus clears out because i'm pretty sure it's going to be a virus that starts it it's probably going to be one of my jerk friends or family that actually kicks it off but uh yeah that that's what i would do survive and you can't it it doesn't matter if it's fast zombies or slow zombies or a tornado or a house fire you just kind of do whatever you have to do to survive but you have to understand that you still need to be a human being at the end of the day i don't mean to sound cliche and bumper stickery but uh yeah if you if you're oh i'm said a really bad word if you're not a really good person It's not going to matter if you survive because everyone will leave you. So you need to not only keep yourself safe, but the people you love. I'd get that on the bumper sticker. Yeah. I don't know how you're going to fit it. Like two-point font. (laughs) I'd find a way to condense it. All right. Well, it's always my job to keep things on time. Shorter shows, right, Tim? Tim is nodding. So... So, hey, Greg, if uh, people want to look for you on the Internet, where would they find you? They should go to Twitter. I'm at Greg Heo, G-R-E-G-H-E-O. And, Tammy, if people want to find you on the Interweb? I am uh, Paradox927, and you can also find me um, pretty much anywhere. I'm here. (laughs) And Jaime? I am also on Twitter as at Dev with the Hair. Joe? Uh, I'm at uh, Twitter at jchplinski, C-I-E-P-L-I-N-S-K-I. And as usual, my name is Tim Mitra. I'm T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on Twitter. And we'll see you guys next week or t- next time, I guess. And we'll all say goodbye now. All right. Bye. 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 Now. Bye. Bye. This has been another episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at mtjc underscore podcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskMTJC. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash mtjc. You can find out details on how to help us out on the website, mtjc.fm slash sponsor us. Now stick around for the after show. And thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.
Oh, yeah, and send selfies if you find these guys. We have selfies for our Facebook page. Oh, that's right. It's been a while. When was the last selfie that you posted? We posted the one with Jonathan and Xavier, just as a matter of fact. Uh, with the T-shirts, that's right. And I think uh, I didn't get a full, you know, smiley face um, a selfie from Jaime. He's like, he owes me one. He's like a picture of the shirt on his on his, on his his torso, but, uh, yeah, it's kind of <laughs> decapitated there. Yeah, and just, just to clarify for people, um, that would be selfies where Mark and Greg know that they are in the selfie. Please don't do... <laughs> a selfie of yourself with them in the background as a candid. They're like scarfing down breakfast burritos or something. Hey, no, we're, we're, we're not proud. We'll take any selfie you want to send us. <laughs> Tim's not picky with what he posts on the Facebook page. So yeah, if you're in the thing. stall, you know, at the urinal, you know, yeah. feel free yeah. to. <laughs> if I see somebody with a MTJC t-shirt I, or a, a MTJC sticker on their computer, I will take a stealth selfie with them. Sure. All right. And don't in. forget, like, if you, if you get a black eye from one of these two guys, you know, send us a selfie of that too. <laughs> <laughs>